and I have got such a full, grateful heart. Um, my family's here, my brother and Teresa, my beautiful friends that I love dearly, Stan and Heather. I just want to thank for the whole church, just for everything, just, um, just for the love, for friendship, relationship, community. We've been here, I've been here, I think, 21 years, now to a little bit longer. I've had my three beautiful girls here. I've been radically healed here of severe, severe depression. Um, yeah, we've just had the most incredible, incredible time here just doing life um, together. And we're going to miss you guys dearly. But I do believe we'll be back to visit. This is just bye for now. Um, I am very excited. I am nervous and scared, but I am excited just because I never thought I'd be standing here. Actually, about 15 years ago, um, a very good friend gave me a pr prophetic word, and she said she woke up, actually had a dream. She woke up crying, and she said you were standing in the front saying goodbye, and she just saw this picture of a tent, and she saw Jesus taking all the tent pegs away, all our comforts, and then we would go. And that has given me so much peace now because I understand what God is doing. And I just also want to thank my husband because I didn't want to go for a long, long time. I just couldn't, I couldn't cope. And it's been a dream of his for many, many years. And he just laid it down. He said, it's fine. He just loved me and loved me and loved me. And now I'm ready to go. That wanted me, actually wanted me to get healed and better so I could go for him and for Jesus. And I'm excited. <laughs> well done. Hello. Okay. Someone rebuked me this morning for only having one page of notes. But uh, I think the first thing I'll say this morning is I'm not preaching, I'm telling a story. So because it's a story, I'm not quite sure where it's going to land up, where we're going to go. We're definitely going to go kind of down there, then we're going to go back again down there. But just come with, come with for the ride. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that some of my, my story and, and our family story will encourage you. It may throw some light on, on things that you're wrestling with and, and things that God has spoken to you. And yeah, so I, that, that's, that's the whole point of getting up and sharing the gospel. It is to encourage. Um, I'm excited about the word that, that came um, this morning through Stan and through Ruth. Because this is about the old and the new. It's, uh, I, 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 I would wish that I'm a an example of some sorts to to what the gospel can actually do in your life. So, yeah, I stand here knowing that this day was coming for 24 years, and um, I'd always wondered what the day would look like, who would be here, which of my friends would be here. Many have gone, I've watched families leave, and I've always wondered, how does it happen? Um, what is the process that you go through? But what I will say, as, as Haley also said as well, we have absolutely loved this church 
and this church has loved us. We've, we've celebrated together, we, we've been carried through sad times together and difficult times, and I tell you, we, we, we do leave with a heavy heart, but but I will say we're actually more excited than, um, than uh, sad because we know that God is doing something with us. And um, I think the sadness is probably more, more on our side because I can also see what God is doing with Glenridge now. We've started this year. There's something, there's an anointing over this church for a new season. And unfortunately, we're going to watch it at a, at a distance. But as Haley also said, we're going to be back. So we're not disappearing over the sunset, never to be seen again. Um, you will see us. So in terms of thinking about how I was going to tell the story, I thought of putting it into two parts. So part one is really the journey to Glenridge, how, how I arrived there, how Haley arrived, and then our time at Glenridge and some of the highlights. And then the, the part two is the sort of the here and now, the, the, the technical side of, of actually what God has done in the last few years to prepare us to actually move forward and, and go. Um, and I'm also glad that um, I was worried you're going to get confused. We're going to the UK, but God's put LA on, on my heart. Um, it's a step one of two steps. So, but anyway, you'll pick that up. Okay, so, and, and then the, the, the last thing was, was interesting. I, I must apologize for that picture that uh, Heather and Mandy organized up on the screen at the front. It was from a very long time ago. And, uh, you know, in preparing, I thought, well, should I talk about those days? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I thought, do I even go there? And, and I thought, but yes, it, it's part of, even though it was years before I walked into to Glenridge, my Glenridge story in hindsight actually started back then, um, because God was doing something, and I didn't even realize it. So to start with, with the part one, in a, almost exactly 40 years ago, and that's a nice kind of biblical number, it's a nice biblical season, but it's a long time. So at the age of 13, so yes, I'm 53, and um, at the age of 13, uh, I had been hospitalized and then recovered at home. I was sort of in isolation for six weeks in my bedroom. I'd just become a boogie boarder, been introduced to, to, to the beach and surfing, and then I was in lockdown for six weeks. And uh, I mean, as a 13-year-old that has just kind of been exposed to the beach culture and waves and all these things, it was the worst possible thing, but God in his wisdom locked me down with five or six international surfing magazines, and that was my company for six weeks. So I've kind of shared this before, but you know, in that process, reading these same magazines over and over again, I just, God birthed what I thought was a dream to go and bodyboard at Banzai Pipeline. It's the best wave in the world. And in fact, Ant and I were watching, there's a, the, the, the contest is on now, um, the, the Pipeline Masters. And it's really, it's, it's a sort of a mecca, if you're a surfer or a bodyboarder, that's where you go. So God planted this, this dream in my heart, and right through my whole high school career, that was the dream and the motivation that it, it was just gave me this focus that as soon as I was finished school, I was going to do what I could to get there. And then, you know, I, I finished school, and two years later, I got the opportunity to actually go to Hawaii. I was invited to, to compete in a competition, 
And I thought, this, this is a dream come true. Uh, so off I went. I was 19 years old, never traveled internationally. I was on my own. Went through the UK via LA on, on to Hawaii. But the most amazing thing happened when, on the journey, it, you know, and when I got back, I thought, what was the highlight of it? And it actually wasn't the tropical island beaches and perfect waves of, of the North Shore in Hawaii. You know, it wasn't um, all the things that I expected. It was a moment on the journey that God really birthed a seed that has now come to fruition 40 years later, or uh, 35 years later. And what that was, now I'm going to try, I mean, to try and articulate a very emotional moment in words is difficult. So I'm going to try and kind of capture it. Hopefully you, you kind of pick up the, the vibe of it. But um, I was, the moment happened, I was flying from the UK uh, into LA. And what happens is when you when you fly, and you fly over the Mojave desert, desert, so it's just miles and miles of desert, and then all of a sudden you go over the San Bernardino Mountains, which are just beautiful, and as you go over that, you go down into the sort of LA basin, which is the, the San Bernardino Valley. So, so, and I had a window seat, and, and it's just sort of looking out, but you know when the captain says, cabin crew, prepare the, 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 the plane for landing, and everyone kind of shuffles around, and they stow your luggage, fold your tray tables up, get your seats in the upright position. And there's a lot of shuffling, and then all of a sudden, once everyone's organized and locked in, the, the cabin crew, they go and lock themselves in, and then you just, it's just this silence. And it's like, shh, no one's sort of looking around, everyone's focused. And at that moment, I, I looked out of the window, so it was quite a, quite a moment, that in itself, and then I looked out of the window, as I said, over the desert, over the mountains, and then all of a sudden, this like humanity appeared from nowhere, and it was this grid of of roads and neighbourhoods and and suburbs, and it just went on and on and on and on, and just when you think, I mean, there were no gaps in between. They just, and it was just this most incredible scale and and overwhelming. I, I just couldn't understand who would have the vision to conceive something so big. How does it work? And then through this grid pattern of roads, you get these big sweeping freeways that, you know, you've got six lanes going that way and six the other way, and there's just this movement. And, and then sort of further on, I saw over this, there's a whole layer of sort of sepia-colored smog that, that covers LA, and then, then punching through with these this, this sort of group of skyscrapers, and I'd never seen skyscrapers before, so... It was just overwhelming. I, I could not believe that, that someone or some people had the, the actual vision to do it. And I realized afterwards that despite everyone knows Los Angeles has, has got its, its own issues, but I believe that God has breathed over that city. And that's why it's called the City of Angels, because it's God's city. Despite what's going on now, it's, it's God's city. And it was just a moment that that struck me. And then as I landed in the airport and, and got out, there's these shuttles flying around. There's just so much energy and it was loud and fast. And then you get on the freeway and it's, there's no fast or slow lane. It's just six lanes and, and everyone's doing their own thing. So, you know, you, you actually need survival skills more than, than driving skills. But so anyway, that, that was a moment. It was just, I was so impressed. It had affected me. And I kind of thought, this is like, this is me, you know. Um, it was a sensory overload, and I, and I really wanted to kind of get more of it. So then two years later, I managed to go back again, and it was, it was actually as I'd imagined. I hadn't sort of 
sort of over, over imagined it. And then in 1992, I went back for a third time, but this time it wasn't for boogie boarding. It was really just um, kind of that, no, not that season, <laughs> the, the other season where the best I can describe is I went back for rock and roll. I went to every rock concert available. I went to every jaw. I went, uh, it was just, I behaved badly. And it just, it was a season in my life that, it was an interesting one. But you know what's amazing? In all of our bad behavior and, and in our behavior that is so disconnected from, from Christ and acknowledging who he is, God still works in us. He still births dreams. They might not come to fruition because we haven't acknowledged him, but he births a dream through any circumstances. That's why that scripture that says he will re replace the years that the locusts have eaten, even those years that we've, we've done silly things, God is still at work in us. And, and those things, you know, when we face him and, and, and lift our gaze to him, it's just like this torrential rain comes down and it just, things start bursting through, you know, and, and, and his plans and his dreams for our lives start manifesting. But what happened on that trip was, I really believe God gave me a bigness in my heart because going to all these concerts, I just thought, you know what, that's what I want to be. I want to be a rock star. I want to, I'm going to get back to South Africa. We're going to start a band. We're going to be huge. We're going to do the thing, you know. <laughs> We're going to rock and roll. So flew back to South Africa, rounded up some friends of ours. We put this sort of ragtag band together. And I remember right, right at the early days, like we were just so ahead of ourselves. But I remember driving past Kings Park Stadium and uh, saying to Gavin, our keyboard player, I said, you know what, when we get driven to Kings Park Stadium in a limo and we play to a sold-out crowd, that's it. I can hang up my sticks and go do something else. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway... So, but the most incredible thing started to happen. Doors started to open for this, this band. And uh, I can never kind of sink it to the right picture. But <laughs> so, do, so, so can you believe doors started opening? There, there were four of us like that. And, and in, in the day, you either had to be extremely good-looking. To, uh, to, be, to be successful in the music industry, you had to be very good-looking, and they could put you into a nice little neat boy band, or you had to be a brilliant, talented musician. And we were none. <laughs> yet, yet doors just flung open. We, we, opened, started, we opened for Def Leppard, a, a band from, from the UK. We played with the Spice Girls. <laughs> did. We, we tried everything we could to meet them in the sort of backstage, but it didn't happen. <laughs> but interestingly enough, on that same evening that we were unsuccessful in meeting the Spice Girls, we got invited up to the presidential suite, doors open, security walks out, and guess who walks out behind the security? Prince Charles, the future King of England. So he walks out, it was the Prince's Trust concert that we had played, and he came and he so, thanked us for, for playing, and I've, I've personally shaken Prince Charles's hand and had a conversation with him, and we spoke about, he's a goofy foot surfer, and oh. anyway, so, so that, that was a moment, um, but I, I would have to say the highlight of, of that other era 
was when we were chosen to open for Bon Jovi on their tour of South Africa, where, where they played all the stadiums. And again, had nothing to do with looks or talent. It was just the, the, the door opened. And, and going back to it, I believe that it was part of a bigness that God had put into my heart back then that there was almost this naivety that, that nothing was impossible. Or nothing, you know, nothing was impossible. So we kind of just stumbled through all these doors and it, and it opened and we toured with Bon Jovi. And as part of that, we played to a sold-out capacity crowd at Kings Park Stadium, which... I don't, I don't remember being driven there in a limo. It was probably like a, a combi or something. But we, we got there and we, and we played. And it was just the most in, incredible moment. I remember at the time remembering what I had said and how ridiculous it sounded. And, and, and just, just sensing like how amazing is life, you know? Like who would have thought? Anyway, I didn't hang up my drumsticks straight away. We kind of played for a little bit longer. But um, then around 1995, we kind of... I kind of got tired of the whole band thing and it was out of my system and moved on and I'd started building my own architectural practice. But it was also the time that one day I went to a, a memorial of, of all places and across the room, there she was. <laughs> Standing there, there were, it was kind of a bit of a celebrity memorial. It was a very wealthy person that had passed away and there were all these ladies doing their thing and the outfits and, and, and the whole thing and there was Haley sort of sitting in the background and just keeping to herself not looking for attention not not and I could just see from her body language she was a beautiful person I could see that she was there was a peace about her there was a kindness about her and I hadn't said a word to her but I knew at that moment that's who I wanted to marry the problem was she had a boyfriend and I had a girlfriend so, so I did the right thing, Haley didn't. <laughs> I broke up with my girlfriend. But bear in mind, we hadn't even, sp I, I don't think Haley had even seen me, so we hadn't, we hadn't even had a conversation, but it was on. I broke up with my girlfriend and it was going to be part of the process. So for the next three years, I tried everything, everything. I, I kind of I, I, I applied the sort of confidence and tenacity that I'd done in, in my previous kind of exploits, and I thought, well, this this will happen. I just charm her off her feet, and every I mean, nothing worked. Absolutely, I, I strutted, all oiled up on the beachfront. I found out where she suntanned. I even had a friend organise a drum kit in the lounge that we were staying, so I could do a drum solo. She got up and went to her room. I honestly absolutely tried this friend that knew her that she was going to be there and I'd like pitch up and you know absolute not a thing nothing 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 it's like oh how, how, how do I know and she doesn't anyway so eventually I just thought you know what I'm, I'm moving on I'm making a fool of myself and I did I moved on and through that process I, I became very friendly with a guy that used to be at this church Greg Swart he started telling me about Glenridge and, you know, I've got to come and I'd enjoy it. And, and I'd, my, my picture of a church had always been a little chapel or kind of a cathedral type, type thing, not, not what I was about to see. So one Sunday evening, Greg drags me off to Glenridge and we walk in and there's just, it was nuts. There were flags, people waving flags of all different nations. There was a band like, going for it. And um, I was like, ah, oh, is this church? And... 
It, it, was, it was absolutely incredible. And then I saw so many people that I knew, like, hey, you, you. No, not you. <laughs> and and, and I, I, I kind of, I thought, gee, you know, I, I can do this. I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, and I went a few more times, and I realized, you know what, I'm home. These are my people. Um, I, 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 like, there, there, there's life here. And I, I just suddenly saw the future. But most importantly, I got saved. I got saved by Jesus Christ. I gave my life to him. I know that I have eternal life. As, as we spoke about, Jesus will return and he will take those people that have acknowledged him as their Lord and their Savior and we will spend an eternity in heaven together, forever. And um, so that, that's what happened. And it, it was incredible. So suddenly my focus was off this pursuit of who I knew I'd marry at some point and it just... It was on Jesus. I wanted more of him, more of him, more of him. And it was an incredible time. And unbeknown to me, at the very same time, God had been taking Haley through exactly the same process. So we, at, at another church in Amschlange, at Emmanuel. And um, so, so in parallel, without each other knowing, he was just healing us and restoring us and saving us together. Because his plan, he had a plan. We knew, he knew we weren't ready. And I think that's why he shut Haley's eyes, put those big flying, flying sleep goggles on. And um, he, was, he was healing her and, and healing me. I certainly wasn't ready. I still wanted to kind of be a bit of a rock star and, you know, it just would have never worked. So, and then an amazing thing happened. In, in 2001, um, some friends of Haley's at, at Emmanuel Church thought it would be a great idea to come visit Glenridge one Sunday evening. So four or five of them walk in the front door, and Haley sees me worshiping at the front. I didn't see her. I didn't even know she had been. That was January 2001. July 2001, we were married. So, so it, was, it was amazing. I, I mean... I've kind of tried to get a bit of info out of Haley, like what was it, and apparently she liked the way I dressed, and it was <laughs> like that I was, I was worshipping, but I honestly think just the picture in all our lives, on, on the things that we, we know we want, and, and we know that is, is part of our future, but, but we can't kind of put our hand on it, look up, worship, you know, <laughs> worship, and God will bring it, God will bring it, and, and you know what, what I will say is, it has been the most pleasurable 21 years I could ever imagine. It is, um, our marriage has been amazing. It's strong. It's fruitful. And um, because of God. Because of God. He, when, we, when we let Him do what He needs to do, He opens those doors. We don't have to hold them open. He holds them open. We, all we need to do is walk through and enjoy. And there's purpose behind all of that. So then, as, uh, as we got together, hello, so from 2001, we got, we got married very quickly, and we, we moved forward within the context of Glenridge together as a, as a married couple, and obviously, so that was 21, 20, 21 years ago, there is so much that, that I could talk about during that period, so just, you know, to look at the highlights, I mean, obviously, the, the, the big highlight was, this is the, the, the very place that God sort of had divine intervention in terms of crossing our paths 
and Haley seeing me and how well I was dressed. <laughs> um, we've had our three daughters here. They've grown up in this church. Um, it's, it's been like a together celebration with, with them and just all of you, so many people just inputting into their lives and encouraging them and, and just watching our little Tatum getting lifted up by her friends. Again, that's such a, it's such a beautiful picture. We've been lifted up by this community for all this time. Um, there were, I mean, the, the friendships that, that we formed. I mean, you can appreciate our, to, to, to start getting into the listing the names would, would be impossible, but the friendships have been incredible and they're friendships that will last forever. Um, we've been on, on leadership since, 2000, uh, since 2002. We've, we've had home groups. Um, even recently, we've, we've, with lockdowns and that, we've started a home group in the park and Morningside. And it's just been the most incredible like, moment of, of God. Just, I remember before we started, I just said, Lord, like, we're going to go sit in the public in a park and we're going to have home group. Like, what are people going to think? What are, like, what's going to happen? You know, what happens if there's an issue in the home group and they're, like, we're in a public place? But God has just been incredible, and it's been open and transparent, and I don't know what people have thought, but it's okay. It's, uh, it's, it's been amazing. It's grown, and, um, you know, Sean and Bridge will continue it, and we, we look forward to, to what God's going to do with that. I've managed to do weddings in the church. I've preached before. Um, as Haley mentioned, her healing from severe depression, we really did not see how this was, how we were going to lift out of it. And um, the church carried her through, the prayers of the, of the church carried her through. And now to sit and, or to stand and, and watch her minister publicly, speak publicly, encourage people that have gone through similar things or that are going through similar uh, issues of depression. But Haley's ministry is so much bigger than that as well, and I've just watched her just love people. People are never a project to her. It's, it's just a love for someone, and uh, also, you know, just her, her diligence and her, her care for, for whatever God puts in front of her is unbelievable. Um, I've, I've, she's taught at We Friends for 10 years, and the number of evenings we've gone to bed where I've had to listen about We Friends. So, and, and, but it's beautiful. It's, it's either she's like so happy with one child that's had this incredible breakthrough or she's so worried about another child because there's an issue with the parents or, you know, and, and it's just, it certainly is not kept between office hours. It's her life and whatever God has given her, she has thrown everything back at it. And, and I know God will honor you for that love. And then the last two things here in, in terms of, of, of the highlights is I've pretty much my business got going when I was here, and my business has been such a big part of this church. Um, I remember Scott Walton on the, the front stairs here telling me that one Sunday evening that Durban was going to be building, designing and building an iconic stadium for the 2010 World Cup. And that was a whole kind of series, trigger, triggered a whole series of events that happened. Um, another project that we did was Rory wanted to look at other pieces of land within the Durban area to build a bigger venue, and that whole process sparked what will be, in, in sometime in the future, the Durban Iconic Tower, which is a project that we've worked on for years. But it started here. 
in the physical building. Um, you know, we, we did an incredible project with Beth and Paul Spooner, and I mean, you, you, you won't believe this, but we, we put a video together for the, the project, and we did it to the soundtrack of a U2 song, and we sent it off to the US to try and raise funds for, for this project, and we got a very swift response saying, have you got permission from U2 to use the music? And we're like, no, but they, they support HIV, and I don't know. they said, listen, like, close this thing down immediately. So, long story short, we, we, we couldn't approach the record company because U2 have an agreement that only the four band members sign off on any use of their material, not the record company, not the management. So after a period of time, we had sort of written it off. We had, we, 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 it was a no, and then out of the blue, the record company phoned, and they said, we can't believe it. The four band members have watched it, have approved it, and have signed it off, giving you full use of their music <laughs> in perpetuity, which is, which is forever. Obviously, there were some conditions. I can't now go and sell them at the flea market. But only God could do that. Paul and Beth getting permission from you two themselves, there's just a bigness to that, you know? You two are not God, but God has a way of just connecting the dots and, and, and opening up doors. And then in terms of, the, the last thing in terms of the highlights is that I kind of went through my traveling to LA in the early days, and then um, I went back as a believer, as a married man, um, and then with, with family in tow as well. And I'll tell you what, we went back in 2004, 2006, I went back in 2008, and going there with the heart of God, and a heart for a city, and I, I don't know why it's not the whole country, it's very specifically that, that area in Southern California, and it's got nothing to do with the beaches, it's got nothing to do with In-N-Out Burger, it's got nothing to do with all the, 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 the nice things that happen in LA. It's got, because it's actually, in, it's, in a lot of areas, it's a very dirty, grimy, smoggy city, and it's, it's, there's four million people within the greater Los Angeles area. It's crowded, it's hectic, but there is something, there's a calling over us for that city, and uh, yeah, we were able to go back there together, and I think it was God's um, process of slowly, or my, I was there, but he, he slowly worked on Haley, as she mentioned, and we get ready to go there at some point, but I will now kind of cover the, the, the UK side of it. So that's really, that's the highlights of our time at, at the church. Um, you know, tomorrow we fly off on a one-way ticket. Uh, we, the future is unknown. We fly to the UK. We do believe that it's step one in a two-step process. And uh, so just to get to, to part two, which is the kind of the here and now, how did this all happen? Like, how did God speak to us? And it really, I, I guess, the first practical step was out of the blue. We, we didn't know this, but we found out that Haley was um, eligible for an ancestry visa. So we come to the UK to the UK. So we thought, oh, like God hasn't really spoken about the UK, and, but this thing is an option. What do we do? And then Carmen Rhines came and cornered us and just started prophesying. And she started off saying, LA, 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 LA. And then she went on to say, look, there's change coming in your life. There's a process that's going to happen. Um, you've been called to go. And um, so 
so we were left with the ancestry visa option to the UK and a, and a prophetic word about LA. So we thought, well, what do we do? And we felt the step we needed to take was mobilize. And that's quite a very, it's an unspiritual thing. It, just take the first step, whatever that looks like. And for us, what that looked like was we sent off for all the documents, the marriage certificates and the, the birth certificates and all the originals. And that took time. It took two years to kind of, but we just let that run in the background. The other thing we did was we booked a trip to LA for the whole family. I just wanted the girls to have some kind of context when we speak about LA all the time that they'd been there and they, they knew what we were talking about. So I'd say this whole process started as we took that step forward and it was a very practical step. Um, so, you know, in terms of what Carmen prophesied, it was the future. We, we saw what the future looked like, but we didn't know how we were going to get there. So, the next thing we did was we booked this trip and we went to the, the US and we went to the UK as well. I've got family there. And the strangest thing happened. We went to the UK first and as we were, we were there just for a week, God did something, and to the extent that I remember driving back to where we were staying the one day, and I said to Haley, I've just had such an encounter with God in the car park of this, uh, this shopping, uh, this grocery store, I think he's calling us to the UK. And we were on our way to the US to go and show the girls where our future lay, but there was just a moment where the Holy Spirit ministered to me, and I just felt this, this connection with the UK. So that stayed with me for a few days. A few days later, we flew to LA and we landed in LA and it was going to be the big moment and it was just like there was nothing. And I could not stop thinking of the UK. And so I was really confused that we had paid all this money and all this time and effort to sort of respond to what God had said prophetically. And, and now like something definitely happened in the UK, but luckily after a day or two, I kind of, it must have been a bit of jet lag, but I found my groove. I was back on the 405 and on the six lanes going for it. And um, yeah, luckily I, I, I was still almost frustrated with God because there were these two things now. Is it left or is it right? Is it left? Is it, is it LA? Is it the UK? Like I just wanted some clarity um, Chantal speaking about, he is our clarity. So this, I was wrestling with this now because we needed to make the right, it's our future, it's the kids' inheritance, what do we do? So it just so happened that we had booked to go to a Christian conference in, in LA and we only went for the first two days and God spoke to me. And this is how faithful God is and this is how faithful he is in terms of knowing you as individuals and what speaks to you and what, what relates to you and what resonates with you. There was a lady from New Zealand. Let's just get the scripture right. Uh, a lady from New Zealand was preaching in America and she's preaching from Luke, um, Luke 14, verse 23. Now, if, if, you if anyone's been to our house or been to my office, I've got a for 20 years, I've had a picture, an aerial view of Los Angeles with all the freeways and, and highways and overpasses. And um, for me, highways is LA. In terms of the UK, my family all live out in the country. And whenever we've arrived there, you go down these little country lanes and or country roads. And I've said to Haley, 
I think we could plant a, a church here one day. There, there's something about it. So anyway, so I'm wrestling with, Lord, are you saying LA or are you saying the UK? And this is the scripture that, that he gives. And we were able to leave the conference right after this. It's from the parable of, of the, 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 the king sending out his servants to go and invite people into the banquet, to invite people into eternity, to his table. And God, in his detail, chose to use the new English translation, the NET, that she was preaching from, because he knew it would speak to me. And this is what it says. So, is it LA? Is it the UK? He says, So the master said to his slave, Go out to the highways and country roads and urge people to come in so that my house will be filled. And all of a sudden, it just broke off this confusion. I had got so used to the nations being like a particular nation, like that's where God's called you, or that's where you're going, or that's where you're going, and the detail of that. But what I realized there is God is calling us to both. And, and I believe there's even more nations that are within those two bookends. We are called to the nations. Yes, we got to, we've got to hear what he's saying about the specifics and in, in, in obedience, but we are called to go. So this for us, what we're doing tomorrow at, at 6.30 tomorrow evening is we are taking a step forward. God's going to take care of the rest. It's, it's actually not our problem. We, we don't go, again, we don't go naively. We know that it's, uh, there, there's, uh, we're going out into the world. It's fraught with danger. And we are going to trust that God will just guide us. He'll show us. He'll reveal things. And, but we are stepping into something new as a family. And we are incredibly excited about it. So then, uh, shortly after that, you know, we had been given this word that it's, that, that it's both. But how was it going to happen? I've gone quite a bit over time. Is it all right? So Mtoko uh, Shanga, I don't know if he's here this morning. Haley and I go into Starbucks, and we walk out of Starbucks, and he says, look, when you walked in here an hour ago, God showed me something, and I need to share it with you. Because we didn't know the future that Carmen had prophesied. We could see it, because she had shown us, but we didn't know how to get there. Professionally, I was tied in here with, as a partner in, a, in, in my firm, and, and financially, and, and all sorts of you know, I, I was, there were responsibilities that I couldn't just pick up and leave. And he showed us exactly how that was going to happen. I mean, exactly. And we, we walked away going, wow, but that's incredible. So, so what he did was, and, and, then, and it happened. It happened about a year and a half later. And, but what it did for that year and a half, it gave Haley a hope. So Carmen then proph prophesied the future. How do we get to that future? He then brings um, Toko in to give us a hope of how we're going to connect to that future. And the next question was when? And then uh, one morning, because I ended up having an office here in, in the church, and God showed me something in Deuteronomy 2 and 3. It said, you've been circling this mountain long enough. Go north through the land of your relatives. And that was like, wow, that was like absolutely clear. If, if I look north... We, we land up in the UK. My relatives are there. Haley's ancestors are from there. But we are passing through. That's what he said. And again, that just reinforced the Luke 14. It's both. And that really kind of got us excited. And then in Deuteronomy 3, it, talk, it talks about, I'm paraphrasing, but it talks about then, then go west across the Jordan. 
to your promised land. And it, it's the sort of north and then a west, and it's across water. So that was absolutely clear what God is doing with us. We are going to the UK as step one in faith, and then in step two in faith, I believe, will be the US. So um, then the question was when? So then God sends Hilton Mandel along, and we had a, an amazing uh, prophetic time with a few of us in that end office. And the long and the short of what Hilton said is, the time is now, there's territory you need to occupy, you need to cross over, and you need to activate this thing. So whilst Carmen, Toko, and Hilton, in a sense their prophecies were exactly the same, God highlighted the future, the hope, and the timing through three different prophetic words. So we just really had a confidence of, of, of moving forward in that. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of getting into land now, but, you know, why did I kind of go through all that history of, of me in a band and traveling to L.A.? And, like, what was that all about? I'll tell you what it was about. God was, in, was birthing dreams in my heart back then, before I even knew it. And what, it, what, what he needed me to do was acknowledge him, and the moment I acknowledged him, that's when the rain came down and the fruit started coming through and, and the breakthrough started happening. God hasn't made us as robots. He's, he's made, he, he wants a relationship with us. It, it's a love relationship, but I, I do believe he's a sovereign God and he can plant those seeds, but it's up to us to, to embrace him and allow those seeds, to uh, those dreams to break open and it just... You know, when that happens, you live a life of purpose, you live a life full of hope, full of joy, and there's this kind of destiny, there's, there's, it, everything makes sense, there's a purpose to, to everything that we're doing. So really, that's, that's what he's done for us, and you know, tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow we head off, it's, 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 it's arrived, you know, after 24 years, tomorrow's the day we go, we go in obedience, we go in confidence. Um, that God has spoken to us, and uh, as I said, we, we go in sadness, but we go with an excitement as well, because God's, God's done this thing, and, and you know, th there can be nothing more exciting. I've gone to the nations for, for other reasons and exciting reasons. Let me tell you something, there's nothing like going when you carry the heart of God in you, and, and, it's, and it's for Him, and it's for His purpose. And, I, and we feel privileged that He would use us to go, and we've opened ourselves up to be used in any way. As Stan said, if we're called to plant a church, we'll do it. Um, if, if I'm called, whatever, we, we are open. We have no preconceived plans or ideas. It's like, here we are, Lord, send us, and, and the time is right. You know, we, we're strong as a family. The girls, in terms of their schooling, it's, it's kind of the right time. So, yeah, tomorrow we go off, and, you know, finally, the the sad part is leaving Glenridge because I was chatting to Stan and Heather the other day. Um, a few months back, Stan and I went around looking at some different properties to look at options. He, Stan shared about Prasser. And, you know, I was praying one day about, like, what is the future of Glenridge? Where are we going as a church? And I felt him say to me, well, if you want to know what the future holds, look, look forward. And so... And then I thought, well, forward, that's kind of, let me go to the front of the building and, and look out. And I did. And, you know, what do I see? It's, it's like a tar car, a car park. So I thought, well, it's not too much to that. And then God said, no, he said to me, no, what do you see? You know, and then I looked a bit further and beyond the car park, there's a ramp. 
And then it, it dawned on me what God had done. This church started 30 years ago or 27, 28 years ago. I think altitudedly on the lowest piece of land in, in Durban, which is the, 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 the racetrack at the DLR Hall. He then moved us up here onto the station so, so at a higher altitude, but I think spiritually he, he has given Glenridge more of a profile within the city. He has lifted us to a higher place. We're not better than anyone else, but he has lifted us, and we, we need to be comfortable with that. But I believe the next season, so we've come up a ramp. So every day we arrive here, we come up a ramp because he's elevated us. I believe the next season, if you look ahead, there's another ramp. And I think that time is now for that ramp. I think the church is going to move up. The profile is going to increase and, and possibly even, again, the altitude of your physical building will, will, will possibly be higher as well. But for, with God, it's from glory to glory. And, and I, I have such excitement for the future of this church. So that's our story. Um, we love you. We're going to miss you. We will be back. We, we're not disappearing forever. And uh, I, I hope we're not back next week because UK immigration boot us out. Because <laughs> that'll kind of make this whole thing look a bit, <laughs> a bit odd. <laughs> but, but Stan and Heather, thank you guys. You've, just, you've been uh, incredible. And uh, now, thank you to all of you. Magnificent. Well, we're going to spend some time just praying for Nigel and Haley here and the girls, Brooklyn and uh, Luca and Tatum. But, uh, you know, when you have a moment like this, which is why I felt like Nigel needed to speak, is Chris and Peter Rasmussen, Chris Vinant and Peter Rasmussen last, week, last year preached here. And both of them said this. Both of them spoke about Priscilla's and Aquila's planting churches around a table in the nations. And uh, suddenly I was listening to their messages again recently and I suddenly realized actually that's what God is doing. He's positioning Priscilla's and Aquila's. For those that don't know, they were, they were a business couple that were opening doors for the kingdom in Paul's day. And um, I think God is moving and positioning people in the kingdom for kingdom benefit, for kingdom planting. And I'm really excited about what God's going to do. It is desperately sad when you see friends and you have friends have to say goodbye. I'd prefer not that. I'd prefer not to have that. But for the kingdom, we've got to let people go. And uh, I'm really excited about this moment. I hope part of what you heard this morning was God Speaks. God speaks if we're faithful to hear. If we're listening, God speaks. And God speaks more when we're obedient because obedience op opens up more opportunity for God. And I'm really trusting, friends, God has called this church to change the nations, not just this nation or this city. And God is going to release men and women to go into the nations and be instruments in his hands to bring the kingdom in those nations. America needs missionaries like you cannot believe. 
They're no longer the nation that sends missionaries. They're the nation that needs missionaries. And uh, this is one of those incredible moments. It's also part of, actually, we're a family. So it's difficult. So we're going to have this moment. And um, I'm going to thank Nigel and Haley just for, for everything that they've done, everything that they've sown in, everything that they put in. The girls, thank you so much. You're an unbelievable blessing to this community. We're going to miss you terribly, absolutely terribly. But one thing I do know is that God's got his best for you and God's got his best for us. And I look forward to the day when the ramp, when you come back and you see us on another level. Mm. And um, so I do that now. But we're going to pray for them right here afterwards. So those friends and family that are here, we'd love to just spend some time prophesying over them. The word valuing the prophetic is an amazing thing. God's spoken to them through different people in different moments ordinarily. And they've taken that and said, God, you're speaking to us and done something with it. If you don't do anything with it, the word just hangs there. We've got to do something with it. So we bless you, Nige. Bless you, Haley. We're desperately, desperately excited for you as well as sad to say goodbye. So we do that now. Haley, do you want something to say?